Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today's show, I have Alan Goering, CEO of Cypha. Cypha is an artificial intelligence-powered platform for financial advisors to basically leverage their data and be more efficient and garner insights from that data. And with that, here's my interview with Alan. Alan, thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me, Jason. My pleasure. So, Alan Goering of Cypha. Tell us about Cypha. Awesome. So Cypher is a virtual assistant that allows financial advisors to communicate with their data and generate insights. I suppose that, that's it in a line, really. Fair enough, which <laughs> we're going to talk about why it's so much more superior than the old-fashioned way in a moment. So talking about the origin of Cypher, how did it come to be? So I own my own wealth management firm. And one of the things that I love about financial advising is that you really get to understand someone's intimate nature for why they want to do certain things. I think that's the best part of the job. <laughs> one part that I hated was uh, doing everything outside of that. So everything from the middle office work as a back office work, having to write up time to do all these reports or having to go through all my different tech stacks to find out where certain data points were. I just thought, surely there's a better way to go about doing this. That was one part of it. The second part was just the discrepancy I found of where advanced technology was going. Um, I, I thought where advanced technology was mainly going was to a point of replacing financial advisors through things like robo-advisors. And we we're going to I'd love to talk more about generative AI and how much generative AI is being used in robo-advising, but I think it's actually being shunned as to how much value a financial advisor provides. And if we are to utilize this sort of technology and enable and leverage that to enable advisors to be a lot more superior, then that just means advisors can then provide a lot more superior advice as well. Yeah, and I'll, let me just echo that. I think that too often in the financial advisory space, it is a man versus machine argument as opposed to a man and machine argument. And it's it's just funny. I mean, when I get advisors who say things like, oh, I hate technology, it's like, really, you flew here in a plane, you drove from the airport <laughs> to this conference, you basically have electricity powering everything in this place, you're holding a cell phone. You don't hate technology, you're just drawing a line of what technology you're willing to accept. And, sure. and really, I think that that is that's that's really the reality of anybody who says that they they have an issue with it. But when in actuality, like let's just look at the current reality. If we basically, as financial advisors, operated with the same technology we did in the '80s, how much more time and effort would everything require? Substantially, oh yeah, exactly. It's like it's painful enough right now the administrative burden, right? It would be orders of magnitude worse. The number of staff we'd have to basically populate to do the same amount of work is enormous, right? So the reality is, is that this industry has been consuming and adapting to technology forever, and we are as efficient as we are now, even though it feels inefficient. We are substantially more efficient than we ever were before because of that adaptation. And don't get me wrong, leaps like generative AI seem almost scary to many, but the reality is the future belongs not to those who basically, the robot or the man, or the, sorry, or the person, it's the person who utilizes the robot properly. So that's my rant. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I mean, I've always found that financial advice, from our financial advising has been a somewhat of a delicate dance between logical decision-making and emotional decision-making. And I feel a lot of advisors, and I'm not, I'm not trying to generalize here, they almost see it, okay, what, what is my value proposition here? Is it just me telling an individual what to do? Or if we really peel back what the main value proposition is, is it actually empathy that an advisor provides? Is it actually the understanding position of what an advisor provides? That's the value proposition of what an advisor providing. Well, that's the thing. It's the human aspects the machine can't get rid of, right? It's the, it's the something went horribly wrong in my life and I called this person up and that person not only understands me and what that means to me, that thing means to me, but how this impacts everything else in my life. Like what other yeah. job does that? I mean, your doctor will take care of your health, but like you ain't going to make sure your mortgage payment is taken care of if something goes wrong, right? Like, 
<laughs> and look, we, we might be biased in this, Jason, because both of us have this sort of have this sort of background, right? But I always found for a lot of individuals who seek out financial advisors, yes, one of the main reasons why they do so is because they don't have the knowledge for certain questions that they want to answer to. Yep. But in actuality, a lot of people don't even know what questions to ask. That's it. It's the unknown unknown, right? Exactly. So yeah, I mean, we can go on for a while about the value of advice, but I think going back to your point, it's the it's the the human aspect. And I've always said, like, listen, for some reason. I get arguments from advisors that, oh, look, I, I, I earned this because I did all this administrative work or I put in all this heavy lifting on a plan. It's like, no one wants to pay you for your heavy lifting, right? Your heavy lifting is the stuff that gets to empower you to do the thing that matters to someone, which is tell them they're okay and help them be okay and help them not just be okay, but be the best version of themselves, right? So the more we get the stuff out of the way, the more we get to help people with that self-actualization, which is really the true value of it all. So that's the rant. Let's let's get on the the products. Okay, so Let's just go and start talking about, because you use the term generative AI, okay? So artificial intelligence, the big buzzword, GPT chat or whatever. I can't remember if it's chat GPT. Anyway, point is, is that GPT chat had this big moment where everybody started playing with it and it was like, oh my God, this is scary. And we saw, we all kind of like the world saw the future or a glimpse of the future all in one moment. And, and everybody was amused and a little bit scared. So some of us, like you, basically decided to seize hold of that future. Talk to me about a, what is generative AI? B, how did you react when you saw it for the first time, in, or, or at least at that level? And then one, and what led to the creation of Cypher? Uh, you know what, Jason? I was obsessed, right? So, I mean, <laughs> if, if we go with what AI is, AI really is, it's explicit rules and logic to solve specific problems, right? And it's very rigid. It's prerequisite rules and logic that's been put together. Whereas for generative AI, it works a lot more on patterns. It's able to create new content on the back of those patterns that's been exposed. And it's it's able to do this by understanding a lot of information that it can, it can end up data, data storing and generating and understanding. And so when I came across ChatGPT for the first time, or GPT-3, um, firstly, the information that OpenAI has been able to generate through the internet to be able to work as a use case to actually have a conversation with artificial intelligence and computer is incredible. But it's, it's more so the content that you can create with the information is what really excited me. In the past, it's always been, great, I've got this, uh, I've got this one issue that I have. If I, do, if I do A and B, then I'll come to C. Now, what you can do is really you can say to the AI chatbot that you're speaking with, say, create me a report from this sort of information. And it'll end up doing the work that you've been having to do for the past 50 years. That's what was really exciting. And so what we've been doing from that is we've been, I suppose, in large part, trying to gain as much data that financial advisors use. And what is the end point of what financial advisors are trying to do with that data and trying to streamline that process as much as possible. So at the moment, when people come on to Cypher, what they can do is they can import their unstructured data through recordings from meetings or notes from meetings and start to have a conversation with that data. And you can ask anything from how much does this individual input in their pension or create me a report off the back of the most recent meeting that I just had or even generalizing the data that you've had in aggregate as to saying, great, you've got 100 clients now. Give me a list of it, all the clients that earn less than £100,000. And you'll be able to do that for you. And you can then ask for it to take action on the back of that. Excellent. So unstructured data, let's just be clear on this. What we're saying is that when, let's just a simple example. When you create a table, right? You mm. typically standardize the data across that table so that this line references that cell and we know what that means. Unstructured data means just dumping stuff that may not have a common format in one place, yeah. right? That doesn't have to be standardized and letting the system figure it out in this case, which is pretty fantastic. All right, so this is a bold ambition. 
one that I would love to see is having a, as much as I love my assistants, a virtual assistant would also be very, very little virtual assistant would be, would be uh, quite, uh, quite the game changer for most of us. Okay. So talk to me about what the experience looks like in its earliest instances that you've done and where you've gone from there in terms of being able to take this and harness this. So you said like summaries, that's one thing, right? So I, I dump stuff in like my, my, my transcript or my, my recording. And suddenly now, instead of me writing up the notes, all the notes are taken care of. How long does that take? It takes under 20 seconds. There we go. And, you know, I'm guessing as well that certain keywords will probably look up, will probably come up more readily. So for example, if I say, let's recap what has to be done, you're going to give me a summary of that. You know, the, the bot's going to give me a summary of that pretty quickly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to reiterate here as well is that it's not only the advisor that's communicating the data. Cypher can also communicate back with the advisor. And what this means is, from the notes that you've imported, either from the integration that we have with Redtail or with Wealthbox or any other custodians or any other platforms, you'll be able to recognize certain data points that are important for you to know from a date perspective. And what that means is, let's say uh, a client's dog's going to surgery in October, or if a Q3 bonus is going to come around, right? All of these things are in, in the back of an advisor's mind is to great. This is a point in which I want to reach out and show that I care for this client. What Cypher would be able to recognize is great, there's something that is connected with a certain date in the future, and automatically it will set this up as a nudge or a reminder coming close towards the time. And it would also be able to uh, generate an email that can be sent over to that client that's tailored to that client. Yeah, so it's taking care of the entire end-to-end communication reminder piece, which, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, we can do that now. We can, we can take very detailed notes in a meeting. We can then plop that summary into a CRM and then have to manually create each of the individual follow-up tasks that happen and assign them to whoever it's going to go to. And then on that day, okay, here's a reminder to manually do the entire thing, right? So think about that process, the amount of time it takes, even if you're efficient with it, you're talking about just that one dog going to surgery is probably start to finish that conversation, including the meeting time is probably well over an hour to get the entire thing start to finish, as opposed to I've had that meeting, that meeting probably went as long as, it, you know, whatever did was the majority of the time, put it in one system, push it to another system, it creates the thing, it creates the reminder, and it's done. So yeah, huge improvement there. So talk to me about the integrations to date. What have you done? You just mentioned custodial integrations and, and of course, a couple of CRMs. Talk to yep. me about uh, what you've done to date and where you see it going. Sure. So, so far, we've got integration with Redtail as well as Wealthbox, both of, both of which have been great, in which case you can not only set up workflows, you can set up tasks off the back of conversation that you can have with Cypher. So you can really even set up a whole client, client interface as well as a client account in these different CRMs that we're currently integrated with. With these other custodians that we're also planning on having conversations with or other CRM firms, in reality, what our future vision, I suppose, is, Jason, is we work, Cypher works best with the more data that we have available to us. And so as, as long as we have as much data as possible, it allows for the advisor to have one platform to have all the information they need to serve the clients in the best case they can without them having to go to all these different platforms trying to find the right data point or the right thing that they need to do, or even have to go to the different platforms to end up creating a certain task, you can actually now do that all through Cypher just by asking Cypher to do that specific task for you. Excellent. And yeah, so I mean, anyone who's dealing with meeting prep knows what this is like, right? Staff members typically have to log into multiple systems, you know, pull up certain documents, get stuff from the CRM. And, you know, if you want to get kind of a snapshot of everything going on in the client's life, unless you're lucky enough to have it all integrated into one place, which very few places actually do, you're pulling that from multiple systems. I mean, even my own client, my staff's client prep, I mean, we, we, it keeps on expanding and contracting, but I'm, I'm sure they'll tell you that they're spending a minimum of 20 minutes prepping for each client meeting, right? That 
frankly, you know, I'm on, a, and I'm currently on a project to try to make that a button push, right? Now that's, that's a big, that's a big job with a lot of data being structured from different places and needs to be maintained. But the attraction of not having to do that, of simply being able to, hey, I'm using this CRM, I'm using this custodian, I'm using this planning software, I'm using this other tool, whatever it might be. Doesn't matter where the data lives. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But Sife is going to figure it out. Like that is massively appealing because it's just, it's, it's the difference between having to be the steward of custodying all that data versus simply just plugging it into a system. And I can't say how important that sort of data is in, in order for Sife to be as powerful as possible. It, the benefit for us is come that we come right at the start of the process of individuals, once they record a meeting, they can import that into, into Cypher, as well as being able to gather data from all the other areas. You mentioned something interesting about prepping for the meetings that's coming up. You can now ask Cypher, great, what are some things that I need to discuss with Jason that I've got a meeting with next week? And you'll be able to go through all the different data sets and all the different platforms that we have integrations with and go, okay, these are some of the things that you mentioned in the previous meetings as things to do. And these are things that haven't been completed. So you'll be able to list that out for you. This is just one use case, but as long as the data is there, you can do so much more as well. Absolutely. So, all right. So that's it serving it up right now. Okay. So you're bringing that to the advisor forefront, but I mean, I think you and I have talked about this off air, the downstream effects, right? Like talk to me about how you see that data being able to then be pushed elsewhere, as opposed to just giving me a summary report. Yeah. And this, this really goes large down the line. I mean, if we think about where advisors tend to spend, spend the most amount of time, or rather where they pay people to end up, I suppose, saving them a lot of time, it's the middle and back office side of things. And if we, I believe there's recent research that's come out saying that 40% of everything that an advisor does, it really comes out to the back office, middle office side of things. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is an insane amount of time, right? And so, if, so that's really what we want to be doing from a cypher's end. And um, what we can do from the data perspective is great. There's only one, there's one part of which we can end up summarizing meetings. And that, that's a fun way. I suppose that's one use case, right? Yeah. There's so much more that we can end up doing with that, uh, come around with actually setting up accounts with different custodians that the client might be set up with, setting up workflows with different CRMs so that you know what to do later down the line, or even setting up tasks so that you have reminders for yourself. All of these different things come, as an advisor, you have to wear so many different hats and you have to do so many different things. When and it's just, funny too, like that kind of work, I've always said it's the, that's the work that no advisor likes doing. But in most, most problem, the biggest problem with that kind of work is people just hire other people to do stuff they hate, as opposed yeah, yeah. to improving that process, right? Like, and then it ends up being just like, I just passed a problem to someone else. I didn't solve it, right? Whereas what you're fundamentally doing is you're solving the problem, right? You're fundamentally changing the nature of the work that exists in the back office and middle office by eliminating the need for people to do grunt work that they may find unrewarding altogether. So it's, uh, it's, it's no longer the, I'm making it someone else's problem. It's a solve. Spot on. And I'm going to say this from my side. Of course I am. But we really strongly believe this will start to change how an advisor works on a day-to-day basis moving forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just an advisor. I mean, from a larger scheme, if a scope of things, I had a good conversation with a friend of mine who's, uh, who's a very seasoned uh, coder and, and helped build a number of companies. And he gave me examples of how he's like using GPT chat to like clean up his code. Like he writes it and then he says, optimize this, right? And suddenly like, oh, they come up with a cleaner mm-hmm. solution, right? It's very good at that. Or how he and his son are now working collaboratively on like just his like little coding projects and how they're, they're basically like coming up with ideas and then feeding it to the AI to create generative images and stuff like that and popping it back. And the reality is, is that the future, when you think about the efficiencies that people who learn to harness this kind of technology are going to have over the people who don't, 
Yep. It is going to be game-changing, right? And you think about the kind of people that will exist in a company going forward in terms of their ability to adapt to this, right? And this is, we're kind of at the, we're at the super early wedge of like people being able to, having to, having to adopt to this. But even if it's a middle office, paper processing, whatever it is kind of job, the reality is someone who gets smart about, okay, this is where I can use the AI bot to basically mm. like make this part easier so I can get to the answer and just understanding where the line is between them and the machine and being able to basically like just curate that properly to get the maximum impact and, and make sure that they're using their time wisely. Like those people are going to seriously have yeah. massive productivity gains and, and massive upside compared to everybody else. And what this also means is, so there was a recent study taken out by GPT-4 for ChatGPT, um, which stated that GPT-4 did 90% better than anyone else, or it came in the 90% percentile for everyone else who ended up doing the, um, passing the bar exam, yeah. which is incredible, right? It still and failed it, the CFA exam. So even the CFA, the CFA oh, exam, oh really? yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> they tested it with the bar exam, I think the CFP exam. Um, That's great. <laughs> the, uh, the GMAT, all this other stuff, but the CFA exam, it still failed. And I was just like, what a badge of honor. It, 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 it's oh, that beautiful, even for artificial intelligence. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's like, it's it's doing, especially I think, the and I know people have taken the bar, the reality is it's, it's knowing, it's, it's a lot of reference work in that exam, right? Yep. It's a lot of like, so guess what? Reference work is exactly what these things were built for, right? It's, it's, ref, it's when does this contextually matter to that? So, okay. So, you know what? We talked about a bunch of more abstract things. Give me an example. Like, let's talk about where you see this going. And give me yep. an example of what you think a day in the life of this future advisor looks like utilizing a, a more mature version of what it is you're building right now, because you're still at the very early stages. It's an exciting conversation to have when we think about what we think the future of Cypher is going to be like for an advisor. But if, if we really go to the brass tacks of it, right, let's say an advisor has three meetings throughout the day. Let's say he has a first meeting, a know your client meeting, cash flow meeting, and a third meeting. What Cypher would be able to do is when the first meeting is up and coming, you can put down straight after the meeting, you've had a recording of the meeting that you've just had. You can end up importing that into Cypher. If during the meeting you've said, great, I'll send you a summary of what we've discussed in this meeting. And I'll also send you all the documents that you need to fill out so that we can go, on, go ahead to the next meeting that we've set up. And we also plan that we're going to be having a meeting in about two weeks time. If mm -hmm. all these things are discussed in the recording or they're provided in the notes, Cypher will be able, able to automate that workflow instantly just from a push of a button. When that goes ahead, so that'll be the first meeting. Now, let's say you've got the cash flow model coming up now. When you've got the cash flow model coming up, you can have a conversation even with yourself or even asking Cypher saying, great, I've got a cash flow, I've got a cash flow model meeting with Jason now. What are some things that I need to be aware of? And what is the strategy moving forward? And it'll be able to detail that down for you as to what is the what is strategy for Jason's and his current financial plans and what is the discussion from the, the cash flow model that we have integrated with. And if we go towards the proposal meeting, you can also end up asking Cypher, like, great, we've had a discussion with Jason for the proposal meeting last week. Can you please create me a proposal meeting report so that we can end up going through this in the meeting that's up, up and coming? We're talking about something that now, I, I suppose, lack of a better term, is just an assistant that's virtual that you can end up having conversation with and will never end up reducing in their consistency or their overall value that they're providing. Well, let's talk about the consistency. I think if anything, and we've discussed this before off air too, as it gets to know the way you work and your client base, it gets more and more accurate, right? So if anything, we're trained. <laughs> there is a, it's a funny thing. We always got to train our assistants. We also train our virtual assistants. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, it never stops, does it? 
No, it never does. It never does. No, I mean, honestly, I think this is an interesting first conversation because I think in you know a couple of years, I think I'll invite you back on to see how this uh, this flushes out because we're still at the infancy. Like this is yep. this is the early stages of this, and I'm sure in a couple of years you'll be asked to take this in places you never thought of and ask it to enable work you never thought of either. I mean, one of the things I know you came out with not that long ago, and we email exchanged about it was using it for support chats. Right? I mean, yep. it's I see support chats on every website, but some of these to date, the bots have been very, very rudimentary. It's like, here's our FAQ bot effectively. It's just answering FAQs. And then, oh, anything beyond that, you have to contact someone, which is always a terribly broken experience. Mm. But when I think about like the, especially if it was like built into a secure portal, right? I go into a secure portal. I'm like, you know, I'm a client and I'd like to know what kind of room I have in a certain type of account in order to contribute to, right? And that data was already related to the, boom, put that in there. It already has the data, the identity verification has already been done because you know they're in the secure portal. And bang, now that that bot can answer contextual questions around that type of question, that plan, you know, the kind of things that maybe my they would call my assistants to find out, very administrative, basic stuff. And but simultaneously then serve it back to me saying, hey, this person was interested in whatever, maybe you should contact them or maybe not. So there's there's a lot of, I think the advisor, we talked about the advisor facing. We haven't talked about mm. the client facing. Besides the example I just gave, any any kind of thoughts around that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the interesting thing about the financial advising industry is that the demand for financial advisors is greater than the supply of financial advisors that's actually available out there. Depends so on the country. Depends <laughs> on the country, yes, but I, I, don't, I don't know where it looks like in Canada, yeah. We'll talk um, about that later. <laughs> <laughs> so from the client side of things, we're really thinking, okay, when we talk about trying to provide the best advice possible, first, the first hurdle that I suppose a lot of people need to get over is do people actually believe they can get benefit from having from obtaining a financial advisor in the first place? Uh, there was a recent study done by Vanguard, I believe, where they studied around 20,000 participants, 10,000 of which had financial advisors and 10,000 who didn't. And over a, a time span of about 15 years, they found those 10,000 who had financial advisors were 3% per annum net better off in terms mm. of their returns. And this is through better tax strategies, better behavioral coaching, and better mm. investments as well. Amazing case study. But the main reason why individuals don't end up getting financial advisors is because they don't see the benefit of themselves in that specific situation. And so just like you've mentioned in terms of that interface, what we're looking to do at the moment is have this interface that individuals can use who have always thought about having a financial advisor. But what they can do now is they can, they'll get questions asked to them from this bot. But depending on what their answers are, the questions will start to vary and it'll be tailored to what the questions will be. And by the end of the chat, which will be about five to 10 minutes, what the bot will do is start to generate a summary of the discussion that's just happened and be able to tailor respond how an advisor would be able to help in that particular situation. That is the more exciting part. The other parts that I suppose aren't as exciting would be certain things that are required from the advisor, such as like verification documents or things that need to be updated, can now just be sent to prospects through this chatbot saying, by the way, these are some things that need, that need to be updated. And then questions can be answered back and forth through the chatbot. Excellent. So... Yeah, like I said, I feel like in a couple of years I'm going to ask you back on and talk about where this has gone because we'll get you'll you'll get some more time to work on on this very new this very new tech. But let's before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody. The yeah, first yeah. one is if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? Stumps everyone. <laughs> Fear of technology. Fear of technology. Oh well, yeah, it's um, yeah yeah. Uh, well, with the population that typically skews closer to 60 in every country versus 30. There's a stereotype there that's that's actually being lived up to. So I hear you. Um, what is the average age of a financial advisor over in Canada, by the way? 
I believe it's still hovering around 62 American numbers around the same. I think the UK number, and you know what it's, I hate to, what I will say is that that number has been static as long as I've been in the industry, which just basically shows that the front end is enough to replace the back end, but not at any more of a consistent pattern than that. So second question I have for you, what's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? For us, it's been partnerships and integrations. So the difficulty for us has been uh, we work alongside data, and for a lot of financial advisors, they, they realize the impact that AI and machine learning might have on their overall business. So they're very open to utilizing this sort of this sort of company that we're building. But the biggest, I suppose, bottleneck that we have is we work best with the more data that we have available to us. So we're in the process now, which is great, of integrating with a lot more partnerships and a lot more custodians and CRM, but it's just t- taking a bit of time, which is, kind of, which is I suppose, uh, somewhat annoying, but it's just part of the game, right? Well, that's what always starts out with new companies. Integrations are vital. And ho- hopefully you get to the stage where they st- they stop asking you to waste your time integrating and they start choosing to integrate with you instead. And yeah. <laughs> Sooner uh, rather than later. Yes, yeah, so the changing that dynamic is incredibly powerful to growth uh, down the road. And the last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight of, uh, <laughs> of bringing artificial intelligence to uh, to the advisor force? You know, that that's, that's a good question. And it's really personal, actually, because... The main reason why I wanted to get into financial advising was because I remember when I was younger, we, we've got a we've got something similar to Target over in the UK. It's called Tesco's. And we'd go there for grocery shopping when we were younger. And I remember my mom and dad, my mom doesn't work. My dad's been in the army. When we'd go to the stores, we'd always go to the sales aisle because that's pretty much all we could afford. My, my, mom, my mom and dad thought, wait, whatever, whatever happens in our life, we will send our kids to private education, no matter what we can afford. And so they were living on around 500 pounds per month. For at least about five, seven years when we were in private education. But I remember when I used to go to grocery shopping, I used to go, oh, God, mom and dad, why are we always in the sales aisle? Can we never buy anything better? And I thought, great, I'm not going to let this happen. So going forward, I thought, great, let me go into financial planning. If I can teach other people how to be better with their money, maybe I can be better with my money as well. Now, my mom and dad never had that opportunity because they never had access to a financial advisor. They didn't even know whether a financial advisor would even take them. But if I could... If me and my co-founder, Roshan, could create a future in which obtaining financial advice is so much easier than it is now, not only from the pricing perspective, but also from the technology perspective, then I'll be incredibly happy of the sort of impact that we've made in the world. Well, I will say that, and I will show, we'll talk about this data off, that there is an advice gap in the UK, absolutely, and in the US in particular, too. And I will say that different jurisdictions, and this is a debate I've had in Canada many times, the getting the cost of distribution down to the lowest possible level in order to get them qualified people to be profitable at lower and lower levels of economic strata for for clients is incredibly important to getting the right kind of advice in people's hands, right? Because we don't want it to be limited to those solely with above a certain threshold of of money and income. I mean, no advisor I talk to wants it to be an exclusive elitist thing. They want to help people. And I think the more we can digitize and the more we can streamline all this stuff, the more it becomes economically viable to move down the the social strata chain and, and provide advice to those in need. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Excellent. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time today. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Jason. So that was today's FinTech Impact. If you are interested in learning how uh, artificial intelligence can help you leverage efficiencies in your practice, uh, visit uh, tricefa.com. You will find that in the show notes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever is it your podcast. Until next time, take care.
This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.